0: Good morning, welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright and I'm delighted to start my day with you. You know, I love this time of year because it's right as the show starts that the sun starts coming up and so, uh, you know, maybe we could sing You Light Up My Life today. I don't know. But I know this. We're going to start with prayer. Let's do that right now. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart, in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father, amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, how are you this morning? I hope you're having a great morning. I hope that, you know, whether you're already, you know, some of you, you're turning on the radio right now, you've already been to Mass. You, you, you've had a good morning already. Some of you are getting up, you're getting ready to take the kids to school or to go to work, or maybe you're getting ready to go to Mass, whether that's at 7.30, 8 o'clock, whatever it may be. But whatever it is this morning, I hope you're having a pleasant morning. I hope you're having a, a good cup of coffee this morning, and I hope that you have a great day in store on this Wednesday of the first week of Advent. Today on the show, I can tell you this is what we have in store. We are going to hear about fasting for the nativity. That's right. Fasting in this little Lent, as Advent is sometimes called, Uh, it's, you know— it's a tradition in some Christian circles and some Catholic circles. And then also we are going to hear about St. Nicholas. It is his day, but who was St. Nicholas and why do we need to be like St. Nicholas? And then finally, uh, Father Jeffrey Kirby is going to be with us. It's been a while since we've been able to have him on the show as an interview. We're, we love bringing you his homilies, but he's here to talk about uh, some new work he's put together, A Year with the Popes, a devotional that can help us you know, really reflect on some church teachings throughout the centuries More on that when we have Father Kirby join us. But now let's go to Mike Roberts for our weather and our saint of the day.
1: Today is the feast day of St. Nicholas, born to wealthy Christian parents in the 4th century in what is now Turkey. Historical facts are few, but his legend is enormous. And across the Christian spectrum, no saint has been painted as often as St. Nicholas. It is known that at a young age he became bishop of Myra and was imprisoned during the persecution of Diocletian, then released under Constantine. Tradition holds that at the Council of Nicaea in 325, St. Nicholas, a staunch opponent to the heresy of Arianism, which denied the divinity of Christ, grew so upset with Arius, the author of that heresy, that he lost his temper and punched him in the face. He is said to have dropped gold coins through the window of a poor father three nights in a row because the father lacked a dowry for his daughters, and they were about to be forced into prostitution. And when family wealth was passed on to him, he gave it all away to the poor. Another story tells of him dropping bags of gold down the chimney of a family in need. Sound familiar? It is this story, as well as so many others, that over the centuries has inspired gift-giving on his feast day. Over time, St. Nicholas has become known as Santa Claus. For 17 centuries, his legend has grown, and as we near the celebration of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ to his Blessed Mother in the presence of the great St. Joseph, it must be the case that the generosity of the Father is being expressed around the world through the love of the Holy Spirit and that St. Nicholas has been charged with the eternal task of helping us celebrate with gifts. St. Nicholas, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day.
0: Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts.
2: The Confidior I confess to Almighty God, to Blessed Mary ever Virgin, to Blessed Michael the Archangel, to blessed John the Baptist, to the holy apostles Peter and Paul, to all the saints, and to thee, Father, that I have sinned exceedingly in thought, word, and deed, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I beseech blessed Mary of a virgin, blessed Michael the archangel, blessed John the Baptist, the holy apostles Peter and Paul, all the saints, and thee, Father, to pray to the Lord our God for me.
0: Every year we get ready, not only for Christmas during the season of Advent, but we also prepare for the new year. And it's about that time of year I start thinking, okay, do I want a particular devotional? Do I want something that's going to stay with me all year? What do I want to do? And one of the options that's come across my desk is from our good friend, Father Jeffrey Kirby out of Indian Land, South Carolina. It's a book called A Year with the Popes, and we're excited to have Father Kirby with us on the show this morning. Father, it's good to speak with you again. Yes, I'm good to be with you. Tell us about this book you have. We've had the Bible in a year, the Catechism in a year, everybody's got something in a year, and you have chosen to take us (laughs) through a year with the Popes, and uh, someone saw it on my desk and said, well, which Popes? And I said, a lot of them.
3: (laughs) Yes, yes. So first I have to tell you, Adam, this book was really a labor of love. It, It is truly, I think, the hardest book that I have yet to write, in large part because uh, it does. It goes all through church history, um, and there were certain events or, you know, exhortations that I'm aware of that, you know, certain posts have said, and I wanted to, of course, try to find the primary document to actually cite the work, and, and and that's where the work really came in, in, in terms of trying to find, you know, the original resource and, you know, um, you know, how can I find it in the English that is, is readable, and digestible, but I wanted to do it because, I think that it's so important as Catholic Christians that we really have a love and devotion for the office of, of, of the Pope, for, for our Holy Father. And, and, and part of that is, is understanding our history as, as, as a spiritual family. And so I realize that there are a lot of other like you know, programs in a year and stuff, um, but I think that this was a, a nice addition. And I think what's also interesting with this is there's no set days. Like, it's not like, well, you have to start January 1st. Uh, that'd be great if you wanted to but it's it's not set by a calendar you know January first, January second, January third. It's just you no know, day one, day two, so someone could do it whenever they want. It's a little more casual than maybe uh, some of the other year long programs that that are out there
0: yeah, I love that the only The only day that's set is the first day, whatever you choose to make that day, that's day one, and uh, it gives you that flexibility because oftentimes what happens, Father is I say, okay, I'm going to start this January 1st. And that you know, I'm going to start this January 2nd. I, I mean, I'm going to start this uh, on January 7th. That'll be a good day to start. Uh, <laughs> right, I, I get right. a little sidetracked. And that's life sometimes with, uh, you know, I, I identify with Merle Haggard quite a bit. It's a, it's a hard time getting by with five kids and a wife. Uh, I love it, but it can bring some chaos. And to have something to, to kind of ground us to say, okay, I want to take some time just to spend in contemplation today, and some days uh, I I have the grace That I receive from the Lord to say, I've got plenty to contemplate. The Lord has blessed me, and other days my mind is just so jumbled and I'm distracted, and I need something to kind of just center me. And that grace that God gives comes in the form of these devotionals, or or these. Here's just a passage of Scripture, or here's a short prayer, or here's a question. And I love having resources like that. So I, I'm curious, yeah. uh, when we, we talk about this, you know, this isn't just the most three recent pontificates, you know, the ones of my lifetime of Pope Francis, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, and St. John Paul II. This is, I mean, you, you go back to the very beginning to Peter. Um, as you put this book together, what are some of the writings of the popes that have stuck with you? I, I, I think in every project we all have those moments that we say, I'm going to remember that one.
3: Right right? Yeah, so so first when I approached um, you know what what selections use and, and so on, imminently you know on the forefront of my mind, and we've talked about this in the past about you know other works and projects that either of us are, have been involved with, but forefront of my mind was that this has to be practical, it has to resonate with people, it has to help all of us become better disciples. So I really wasn't looking for, you know, the you know highfalutin theology or the major theological debates in, in our history. What I really wanted to select were passages that, you know, could be apologetic in terms of helping us to understand, oh, wow, like the papacy really is a divine gift, and to understand why it's been given to us, or spiritual things that the Holy Fathers have taught, a lot of stuff about fasting, devotion to Our Lady, the importance of Lent, and things of that sort. So I I was really just going through and saying, okay, what can help us in the 21st century to be better Christians, to have a greater love and affection for the office of the papacy? And and that really, those were kind of my guiding standards. And I have to tell you, Adam, after two years of research, when I was done, I had over 1,000 quotes. And then you can imagine it's going from 1,000 to 365, you know, for, for the year. And uh, and it was painful at, part, at parts because like do I put this do I include that do I don't uh, the structure of each day is, is very practical like it's it's a lead in it's a selection it's you know some application questions a like examination of conscience and then a prayer and so going through the selections that I had I was like okay what works? And there were some things that I just I felt we needed to put in there I wanted to put in there so. A lot of stuff about the church's denunciation of the slave trade, um, the voice of the church in the whole Galileo affair. We don't usually hear the church's side on that. Aspects uh, of the Crusades, like what what was really going on, what were the popes teaching, and then of course that whole aspect of the spiritual life. I have to tell you, uh, we have had 266 popes. Less than 10 we could we could classify as bad popes. We we've had a few lukewarm popes. they kind of just really didn't do much. But by far and large, we have had immensely holy, living saints, mystics who have been popes. I mean, people don't realize, like, Pope the VII, who was the pope during uh, the French Revolution, um, he was like a Padre Pio. He levitated. He had the ability to read hearts. He had powers to heal. I mean, this is a powerful pope. It's like a little Padre Pio, and we don't ever talk about him. Or so many of the other holy men and mystics who have been popes. So I just want to just address some issues historically, give some spiritual wisdom, and kind of brag a little bit about some of our spiritual fathers.
0: I, I absolutely love it. I, I was thumbing through the book when I first got it, and uh, you know, I noted a couple in there. One of my favorites, Pope Leo the Thirteenth. Uh, his writings make a few appearances in there. Saint John Paul II, of course, uh, the, the, the first pope that I knew in my lifetime, the only one that I've gotten to see in person—not just once, but twice—blessed to have him come to St. Louis when I was in high school, and then to go to Rome for World Youth Day, and. Uh, even with that, Father, we, we've been spending the last several weeks here on Roadmap to Heaven going through just his first encyclical, Redemptor hominis, the Redeemer of Man with a priest oh, of yeah. our diocese. And I thought, okay, you know, there's going to be a lot of little nuggets. Well, every Thursday I, I'm like a kid at the dinner table when the favorite meal is being served <laughs> because every week we're getting another gem from St. John Paul II. So I love that we're taking a look, you know, beyond these popes that I'm familiar with. Beyond, it, It's challenging me to go outside of my comfort zone and say, well, yeah, you know, I, I was a musician, so Pius X, I worked in liturgy, I, I'm going to hear a lot of what Pius X has to say, but what about the other 11 Piuses? There were 12 of them, and, and you're bringing them to the <laughs> forefront of the conversation. I, I do have some more questions I want to ask, but we are going to take a real quick break here on Roadmap to Heaven. When we come back, we'll continue with Father Jeffrey Kirby talking about a year with the Pope's daily meditations with
1: the Vicar of Christ. Prayer for Charity. O my Jesus, Thou art very true love, and kindled in my heart the divine fire which consumes the saints and transforms them into You. O Lord our God, we offer Thee our hearts, united in the strongest and most sincere love of brotherhood. We pray that Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament may be the daily food of our souls and bodies, that Jesus may be established as the center of our affections even as He was for Mary and Joseph. Finally, O Lord, May sin never disturb our union on earth. And may we be eternally united in heaven with thee and Mary and Joseph and with all the saints. Amen.
0: We are back. If you're just joining us, we're happy to be talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby today about a year with the Pope's meditations, daily meditations with the Vicar of Christ. And Father, one of the things we were talking about before the break, you were bringing uh, just so many great different popes to our attention. The ones that you know, for example, to go back to Pope Pius the Seventh, you were speaking about him, and we know there have been twelve popes named Pius. But how much do we really know? Could we say even one sentence about each of the twelve? I could not because I haven't gone and spent that time with them. But I also couldn't help but notice as I go through the pages of your book here that some of the meditations you're pulling from the councils of the church. And I'm thinking, wow, wow, that's important too. Because when the popes have called these ecumenical councils together, when they've called these church councils together, it's usually because there is a question that needs to be addressed. And And I know in the life of the church, not always, but many of the times – there's been a heresy that's been spread, and then there's a council to address the question, and then Church teaching is—how uh, how shall we say this? We, we walk away with a better understanding of what the Church has always taught us. Yes.
3: Very much, very much so. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, we, we can uh, maybe not know or, or, or not fully realize that whenever a council is called, so ecumenical councils and all the bishops of the world come together under uh, the leadership of the Pope, that while there's a lot of discussions and debates, at the end of the day, it's the Pope as the successor of Peter who then decides what the teaching will be. And that, that goes right to the Acts of the Apostles, where in the Council of Jerusalem, the Apostles and, and Peter are, are, are debating about whether the Gentiles can be welcomed into the covenant of God, and, and if they come into the covenant, they have to be circumcised. And the Apostles and the uh, presbyters, the priests, are, are debating and arguing, this, and then Peter stood up and said in a loud voice, we and the Holy Spirit have decided, right? And so in the same way, all the ecumenical councils, it's the Pope who issues the document from the council. So while it's the fruit of the entire council, all the bishops working together, the Pope is the one. That's why I wanted to include it, because every decree of an ecumenical council is a part of the particular Pope's teaching. And so if we go to the early Church, one of the first anti-Pope that we had, so a man who claimed to be Pope but was not, was Hippolytus. And that all happened because of disagreements over some of the conclusions of the ecumenical councils in the early Church about the uh, identity of Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting about Hippolytus is he repented. He's the only anti-Pope in our entire history who's repented and was reconciled to the Church, in large part because the Pope at the time uh, was firm in terms of what the faith of the Church is, was firm in terms of how, as Pope, he decided to approach things, but was also very compassionate and sought and Reconcile Hippolytus, this anti pope, uh, into the church. And, and those stories are weaved uh, throughout the book. And then, of course, everyone knows Vatican II. That's our most recent ecumenical council. And, and by the way, there's only been 21, in 2,000 years history, 21 ecumenical councils. The, the slogan at the time of Vatican II was the 21st council for the 21st century. And in the book, I wanted to make sure that I included parts of Vatican II in order to give people a glimpse of what Vatican II really taught. Because a lot of people say things the Vatican II taught. Pope Paul VI, I want us to hear their voice, to, to hear exactly what the Council doctrine, to, to see what Pope Paul VI was teaching. And so definitely I wanted to you know, include these ecumenical councils because they were pivotal moments of clarification, pivotal moments of pastoral vision, and, and a huge part of our life as Catholic Christians.
0: I want to wrap up with this, Father. As we talk about this book, we've been talking about reading these reflections. We've been talking about how to—there's uh, an opportunity to pray with each of them daily. And again, start on day one. It's not tied to a calendar date. It's just tied to the date that you start. Um, how does this help us then to live? Because you and I have talked about this before, the relationship. If, if, if we love our Lord, we're going to want to know about him. And, and that's Baltimore Catechism right there. Know, love serve so we reflect on what his vicar on earth over the centuries has given to us we we know him better it helps us love him better how does it help us serve him better
3: yes yes i i think the the, the more we understand and see the church as, as a spiritual family uh, you know the church is not an institution uh, the church is not simply something that we participate in but is is really a spiritual family and, and the more i think we retrieve that understanding and the more we have that, then we can more see the Holy Father as exactly that, a Holy Father, like, you know, the man who has been chosen by God to lead us in Christ's name, and have that affection and love for Him. And then, you know, with that is, you know, whenever we feel ourselves a part of a family, with that, you know, there are always the bonds of love, and there's always that that call to to give more, to go deeper. You know, like, I I go to visit my mom. I I don't say to my mom... um, I'm just going to lay here on the couch and let you take care of everything. You know, I go to my mom's house and I do things I don't normally do, right? So, hey, mom, we're going to go, you know, clean up the backyard, or hey, I'm, let me do the dishes uh, after dinner. You know, or you know, because when you're in a family, you're you're, you're there, right? I think one of the things that that have hurt us as a church is we've you know we've taken on this language of being a volunteer. And we forget that, you know, we're in a family, you don't volunteer in a family. I don't go home and say to my mom, Hey, Mom, I'm going to volunteer to do the dishes after dinner. <laughs> you know? It's like, no, no, your family, you get in the kitchen, you knock out those dishes, right? And, and I think just the more that we are able to retrieve that notion, that biblical notion, that real notion of the Church's family, and I think the more aspects of our Christian faith will just flow from us, just naturally. we'll want to pray more, we want to serve more selflessly, we'll be more creative in our aspects of service. So I hope that, you know, some of this can be the fruit of of this book.
0: I I think that is a great great motivation for us to study what the Holy Fathers have said throughout the years. In particular, I was thinking, you know, Father, we've talked about second Vatican Council in this interview we've talked about different writings of popes and, and going back to two one i mentioned Pope Leo the 13th and his writing on labor and that's you know a very prominent question today is what what is ethical in labor and what what dignity do workers have and what is a just structure and how should it be and you know a lot of what he wrote is very very much relevant to today's conversations but i also think about how in Lumen Gentium It's very explicit that while the the bishops, the the popes, the priests, they're the shepherds and and they have the work of the clergy, that my work is very different from yours because the laity, we're out in the world. So then we don't just have these teachings, but we apply them in the businesses that we run or in the families that we have, and they permeate Mm -hmm. through all walks of life. And that's one of the ways that we can evangelize is by living the faith In everything we do, and not just in a building that we go to, on a very special building we go to on Sunday morning, but that the church is more than a building. It's every aspect of our life in this family. Uh, Father, it's been wonderful to speak with you. Again, it's A Year with the Pope's Meditations with the Vicar of Christ by Father Jeffrey Kirby. It's available through TAN Books. And, uh, you know, you spend a, a whole year in prayer and contemplation with the Popes and with uh, the, the good work Father Kirby's done. Father, could I ask you to close us out with a prayer?
3: Yes, be my, my pleasure. Let us pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine upon you. May he grant you his peace. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: Father Kirby, we wish you all of the best in this season of Advent as you prepare for Christmas. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere.
2: A Prayer for Priests. O my God, help those priests who are faithful to remain faithful. To those who are falling, stretch forth your divine hand, that they may grasp it as their support. In the great ocean of your mercy, lift those poor unfortunate ones who have fallen, that being engulfed therein, they may receive the grace to return to your great loving heart. Amen. Precious blood of Jesus, protect them.
0: Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's Radio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. We stop on this Tuesday for our daily dose of encouragement. This week, Patty Schneier is leading us in reflections on the Incarnation and the Eucharist. Patty, good morning to you.
4: Good morning. And I want to talk about how we're showing parallels between the Eucharist and the Incarnation. Yesterday was very, very basic. They are both miracles. Let's just start with that basic foundation. Today, I want to talk about some specifics. Of these miracles. Both the Eucharist and the Incarnation are, in a sense, the same miracle. It's the eternal Word made flesh in a different way, but both of them are the miracle of the Word made flesh. The second person of the Blessed Trinity condescends to us, comes down from heaven in a total act of humility. Both miracles could be rightly named. Emmanuel, God with us. Both the Incarnation and the Eucharist are God's way of saying, I love you so much. I want to come down from heaven to be with you. And I remember seeing this for the first time at a place, in, at a retreat center in Lincoln, Nebraska. I think I've shared this before on the air. But there was a retreat center where it says, over on the podium where the, where the word is proclaimed, the word. And then on the altar, engraved in the altar, it says, and the word became flesh. And then on the tabernacle, it says, and dwelt among us. So that gave that very visual, the word saying, this is where the eternal word of God becomes flesh just like Jesus did 2,000 years ago. So the miracle is the Word becomes flesh. Yes, we're at Calvary. Yes, we're also always proclaiming the death and resurrection of our Lord. But it is also another incarnation.
0: The Word became flesh, a wonderful thing for us to contemplate during this season of Advent, especially if we contemplate in the presence of our Lord who became flesh in our churches and adoration chapels. Patty, thank you for this dose of encouragement. Well, that is what we have for you today, and I hope you have enjoyed it. I I certainly have, and I always enjoy spending this hour with you. You know, I have grand dreams that one day, we'll all be able to get together and have roadmap to heaven live on location somewhere, and everybody will just come. It'll be like a big open house that you celebrate this time of year, where you see friends and family that you haven't seen in a while. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that just be wonderful? Roadmap to heaven, all together, all of us, for that the wonderful purpose we have of growing in holiness and becoming saints. I think that would just be tremendous. Maybe, maybe next year, maybe twenty twenty four will be the year for that. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to have Father David Skillman back with us as we continue looking at the Redeemer of Man. And I I hope you've been enjoying those segments. I certainly have. And every time uh, Father has some insight for us, I I just can't wait to to soak in St. John Paul II. So that's tomorrow on the show. We'll also have some good Advent reflections. I want to remind us all that Friday is a holy day of obligation. It's the patronal feast of the United States of America, the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, where we uh, celebrate Mary's conception in the womb of St. Anne. Of course, her parents, Saints Joachim and Anne. And it's a great day for us, but it is a day that we are obligated to treat like a Sunday. We go to Mass, uh, you know, it. it you know, I used to struggle with this a little bit, how to word this when I worked in the parish. We would say, well, you know, you have this opportunity. But we also have an obligation. I mean, if you look at what God has done for us, Holy Mother Church is telling us to go to Mass this day. It should be a no-brainer. It should be like, well, of course I would. You know, it's like when your spouse asks you to do something and, and they love you so much, you're like, well, of course I would do that. You don't know, say, like, well, do I have to? Let's, let's weigh, well, I have an opportunity to do this. You say, no, let's do it out of love. If, if for no other reason... Then we love the Blessed Mother. But we have so many other great reasons. We love the Father. We love the Church. We love Jesus. We love the Holy Spirit. So we're going to honor Mary on our patronal feast. And we're going to pray for our nation on our patronal feast. Because Our Lady under the title Immaculate Conception is the patroness of the United States of America. And, well, I don't know about you, but I would appreciate the prayers for our country. I think we all could use prayer. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Uh, I do want to let you know on Friday we're going to have Mass for you instead of the show because of the Holy Day. But each day until then, let's pray our rosary today.